0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Matt Addison and this is an exclusive interview that I did with former Liverpool goalkeeper Dan Atherton, who left the Reds last summer having signed for them at the age of 12. Dan trained regularly with the first team squad for about six years, with Alisson, Adrian, Simon Mignolet and more. He was part of the pre-season tour in 2019 and details what it was like to travel to America with the senior team, as well as why he found it tough at times mentally during training. He's really open and honest about what going into Melwood was like and lifts the lid on Jurgen Klopp, goalkeeping coach John Akterberg, and assistant manager Pep Blinders, and what they're like behind the scenes too. This is insight from someone who's only just left the Liverpool changing room where he was rubbing shoulders on a daily basis with Mohamed Salah, Virgil van Dijk and Jordan Henderson. There's also anecdotes from the time he was thrown on up front alongside Divock Origi as Jurgen Klopp ran out of substitutes, why TikTok now plays such a big part in his life and the lowdown on two players, Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones as well as others, players that he came through the academy system alongside. I promise you it's an absolutely brilliant listen. There's loads more in there as well that I've not mentioned. And as you'll hear me say at the end, I could have chatted with him for hours. This is what former Liverpool goalkeeper Dan Atherton had to say. Enjoy. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. So Danny, thanks so much for, for joining me on the, the Blood Red Podcast. Hope you you're doing okay and, and hope things are, are all good with you. Yeah, it's all good, mate.
1: Couldn't be better at the moment. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I know you're you're over in America at the moment. Is is that something you, you'd always wanted to to try? What how's that is, how's that come about?
1: I think obviously, the main goal was always Liverpool, 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 being a fan, uh, being a big fan of the club. But uh, if it turned out that we was to go our separate ways, I've always said that I wanted to use football to experience, so uh, not just to make the money that I need to live, but just to be able to experience the world and experience different places. So. Obviously, America's always on that radar. I did actually sit my uh, SATs to do a scholarship over here before I signed my scholarship in, in, at Liverpool. Uh, but then, obviously, I signed there and then things went another way and it ended up doing pretty well. So, uh, whether now's the right time or somewhere in the future is the right time, we are yet to find out. But at the moment, I'm I'm out here playing for two or three months. Uh, we'll see how it goes, see how I enjoy it. I've been enjoying it so far.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you were at Marine, weren't you, last season and the season sort of got curtailed. Is, is the pandemic kind of getting in the way in terms of finding a, a new club and, and finding a new route? I suppose you've got your way to America, so you, you've got that far at least.
1: Well, I'll tell you one thing, getting to America was not easy.
0: Um, but <laughs>
1: one thing I will say is that Covid has definitely, definitely hindered me quite a lot. I mean, the decision was made... A week before everywhere shut down that I would uh, move on. Uh they were interested in me as a training goalkeeper, but uh it seemed that with other goalkeepers coming in and uh the fact that I'm a local lad and uh not the tallest, they they felt that there wouldn't be as many opportunities for me. So it would just be training and stuff like that. And not that I wasn't happy with that, but obviously I don't want to be a training goalkeeper. No one no one dreams of sitting on the bench when you're growing up. So after nine, nine, not far off nine years at Liverpool, I felt that I spoke to a couple of the coaches and we all felt that it would be it's the right time for me to move on and try and find a career somewhere. I lined up a couple of clubs to go in for training that seemed really interested and uh I was meant to be starting my trialing on the Monday and on the Friday, everywhere shut down. And uh it was then a, a long, long four months of what's happening, what's happening. And then, of course, the money stops when my contract runs out. Uh, I'm still training at Liverpool when we we start training again. So I'm still in and around the lads, but I'm not getting paid anymore. Then I'm trialling at different clubs. I'm all over the country. uh, One day I was in Scotland. The next day I'm in Sheffield. I'm in Doncaster. I'm in all over the place. And then there was a... uh, I've never really had a negative word said about me. It's uh, it's all been very positive, but obviously the situation at the moment with COVID and what that has done to the majority of clubs is uh it's it's damaged it's it's damaged a lot of opportunities for me. So I've sort of just had to ride out this rough patch and make sure I stay as active as possible. Uh, so yeah, it's uh it, it's not been easy, but I think I'm dealing with it quite well
0: yeah absolutely it's a it's a difficult period for, for everyone isn't it and, and trying to get jobs and, and so on and so forth i mean i've seen you you've done a lot of, of social media stuff and, and TikTok tock and, and gone down that sort of route is that yeah. is that deliberate to try and sort of put yourself out there or is that just a little bit of fun
1: it's it's a bit of both i think uh if you speak to anyone in football it's it, it's all about connections and who you know and what people think of you and it's all it's a very opinionated sport and uh, one reason for the social media, especially like mainly on Instagram, and then I've been working a lot on LinkedIn to try and make connections with goalkeeper coaches all over the world, really. Uh, the stuff on TikTok, it's really, I'd say it's more for my mental health than it is for anything else, because let's be honest, me doing the double round the world and a couple of tricks isn't, isn't going to get me a contract as a goalkeeper. But it just gives me something... So from my point of view, my personality, I, if I'm not doing something, I feel like I'm wasting time. So obviously, I'm out of contract at the minute. If I'm not sat, if I'm not in the gym, if I'm not running, if I'm not working out, if I'm not doing playing football or doing extra training or coaching, I feel like I'm wasting time. And I think that's when you can go down a dark path, especially during the period, especially with whatever job that you do. Working at home, you, you, you're not often getting out much. So as soon as you get hit a period where you're not doing anything, you start to feel yourself, like, getting down. And I think the TikTok stuff, it, it, it is just a bit of fun. Obviously, it's getting a bit bigger as it goes on. And uh, I've ended up with, like, just over 15,000 followers. And one of the videos has got 8.1 million views on it. So it's uh, it's doing well. But it is mainly just so it's not very hard on my legs it doesn't take a lot of uh, a lot out of me but it's something I enjoy doing and it's something that passes the time so it just makes it keep it just keeps my enjoyment up and keeps me in a good mood and stuff like that because it's very it would be very easy for me and I know people in my situation that are in a bit of a rut and it's just a bit it it, it can be very mentally draining especially all of the all of the places that you travel to and you've still not got anything yet and I would edging on not far of it's just over a year now when I turned out when we made the decision to leave Liverpool. And uh, it is it it is difficult. So it's just, I'd say it's ma- mainly for my mental health more than anything to try and keep myself sane and not fall into a dark path.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the summer before you, you left Liverpool, you were there with the, the first team for, for pre-season and we'll come on to the specifics coming on outfield and, and stuff like that shortly. But I mean, first and foremost that must be an incredible experience to to have and when you are going around these clubs that must be something that, that they look at and go well you know he's he's come from liverpool that there's obviously you know a top goalkeeper in there
1: yeah i think as far as cvs are concerned it's you can't ask for much better than lfc on your cv you can't ask for anything bigger than that especially the club at the time uh the 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 period of football that they were enjoying as well during that, that spell. And obviously that pre-season I went away with them and I was training with them throughout that season. Like they won the league, won the league, we won the champions league. It was a, it was a very successful year. And just to be in and around that is, it's something I've always dreamed of because i like I said, I've always been a Liverpool fan and um, it, it, it was just, uh, there's no real words that you can use to describe it. And, uh, it, it, you you feel proud when you're there and you, it, it's it's sometimes hard to it's hard to understand why you're there and that's something that I struggled with earlier on when I first started training with the first team like I I speak to people now and like when I when I first started training with the first team I had like my first session when I was like 15, 14, 15 just like the old session one every month or something like that and it wouldn't be a big session it'd be the day after the game a couple of lads training but it was with players that I idolised, so I'd go up and I'd be training with them, and or, or I'd see like people in the canteen, and I'm just like that all day.
0: Wow,
1: just walking around looking at all all essentially my heroes. Like I've I've been in tears watching them play football, and then I'm sat next to them eating dinner, and yeah. it took a while for me. It, it took a long time for me. Uh, and I feel lucky that I ended up getting more opportunities than I did because I, I feel like some of the training sessions that I took part in, because I was in all that much, and mentally I was thinking I, I shouldn't be playing on the same pitch as these people. And to get over that was a, a big, a big step forward for me. So like it it started, it was like it, it was like a switch one day where it was like I think I had a pretty decent session like in my scholarship. Uh, My second year, I did decent in one of the sessions and I thought, well, yeah, I'm not Premier League level yet and I'm not going to be playing in the Premier League week in, week week out. But I'm obviously getting asked to come and train for a reason. So if if they're asking me to come and train, I'm doing something right. So in my head then it was just, just do what you're doing, do what you're doing. If something goes wrong, it goes wrong. There's nothing you can do about it. And I think that's a... Important in life, not just in football, and especially as a goalkeeper. Like if you concede, you can't let it get you down. You've got to, mm-hmm. you've got to keep going. And I think that was a massive step forward in my career to get over that. I think leaving Liverpool and then going to these other clubs. I've trained with a lot of different first teams now, and I've never, never had that feeling. I think mainly because I don't really know who the, the players are. Like I, I've always been Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool. Like I go to all these other teams and I'm fine. I can just fit in. Um, personality wise I'll I'll talk to someone in an empty room I'll speak to anyone you want but uh, I think that was a massive step forward being able to sit and share a dressing room with players like the Mo and Henderson and Andy Robertson and all Van Dijk and these big personalities and try and have a conversation with them without feeling like you're just on your knees praising them all the time. <laughs>
0: Is that something that you know, coaches and, and John Akterberg and, and people like that try to, to help you with, with that mentality side of it? Because that's a, a big part of the game that maybe as fans, maybe we don't quite understand that. Unless you're actually in that situation, it, it's probably quite hard to, to understand that.
1: Yeah, I think the way I'd explain it uh, from my point of view, and obviously I can only tell you from my point of view, is that if you imagine people listening to this now, you're a massive Liverpool fan. If you walk into a restaurant and you're sat at a table and Van Dyke and his missus comes and sit next to you, you're in awe straight away. It's like, oh my God, that's Van Dyke, Van Dyke's there. Oh, you see Salah in the street. There's Salah, there's more Salah. Well, for me, that was, that was all the time. Like whenever I went with the first team, that's how I felt. And I'd feel that all the time. And you can imagine, you see people get stumble over the words when they're talking to people of that calibre, like people who are that like that big footballers, like that well known. You start stumbling over it, like, eh, 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 you don't know what to say to them. So if you imagine I've got to play in goal and perform as well as I can, whilst feeling that, and I think being able to get over that 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 was something I found difficult. Other lads, other lads, it, it just happened. They just get on a pitch and they, they forget about them. But for me, it was, I found it difficult for early on. Uh, I think coaching-wise, it is just instilled into you. It is instilled into you from a young age. It's always it's always about you need to do things right here. You need to do everything right here, where you are now, whether it's 15, 16, 17s, 18s, you've got to do it right here so that when you get that opportunity, whether you're under 18, step into 23s, or whether you're 23, step into first team, when you get that opportunity, you know what you're doing you know it's, it's it's not going to be any different. All you can do is what you train for and you have to train like you're there already. You've got to put everything into it and then make sure that you're ready to take the opportunity when it arises. And as you see, a lot of the young lads, they've taken their opportunities. You see a lot of the young lads now. I'm still in contact with uh, a lot of the lads. Uh, obviously, it's been more difficult with COVID, but they're doing really well. They're training week in, week out with the first team. like Even the younger lads like Leighton Clarkson and Jake Kane and stuff. Reece Williams, he's gone from Kidderminster one year to playing Champions League the year after. Like these are all lads that that have come through the academy system and then stepped into it and took the chances. And I, th- I like, I think I, am buzzing for them. I, I, love seeing, I love seeing, I love watching the t- uh, the games on the TV and seeing the names on the team show. I buzz off it all the time, and it is something where you've just got to be ready to take your opportunity whenever it comes.
0: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I wanted to ask you about Jurgen Klopp as well. I mean, you've mentioned some of the, the players. It, it must have been amazing to to train with him. What was what was a Jurgen Klopp pre-season like? I know you obviously went to the US and, and trained with the first team. That Got must have been incredibly intense.
1: Got a bit of cramp there, sorry. Oh,
0: <laughs> he's been working hard.
1: <laughs> oh, I've just, just had two weeks off, mate, the, and then we straight back. <laughs> no, yeah, Klopp, it's... I think what you find is... With the uh, with Jurgen the manager, it's, he drives it. He's he's like the driving force behind the sessions, and like, he g- he gets the lads pumped up. And uh, like my main memory of like Klopp in person, obviously you got your main memories of watching them play and stuff like that. But in person was um, in the first game when we went to America. So obviously I was involved in two the two pre-season games beforehand. I played against Tranmere up front, which we'll probably get onto, no doubt. And then I played against Bradford. Uh, and before these two games, like we prepared for them, but it wasn't really like, like meetings and stuff and all this and analysing stuff before the games. And the first game in America, we had a meeting before the game. And it was like, right, our season starts now. And I, can't, I couldn't tell you what, Klopp said, "I couldn't tell you anything that happened in the meeting, but also remember, is being sat in the meeting like just watching him and like the feeling that you get inside when he's talking to you through this meeting. Like, it, he, I, I, I wasn't playing. I knew I wasn't playing, but I was so up for this game. <laughs> like, it, like I can't explain. It. it was such a weird sensation because it was like made me like it was a friendly. It was a pre-season friendly." in a in a college stadium but it was against uh, it was against one of the German teams Dortmund I think it was yeah I think it was Dortmund and like I was so up for this game just off listening to this speech that he'd given it was only 10 minutes before the game and that's like the one thing that I remember about it and I, it just like how he drives it like it wasn't often that the, st- the stand of the session would drop but if it drops a bit it would get straight back up the staff that he's got around him as well like Pep uh, Pep Linder's Pep was my coach when we were 16s. He was, it was my, it was our manager at under 16s. We were the first group that he took at Liverpool, and he did that good of a job with us. He just jumped straight to first team. So he's always been a good link between them. And I think them together, alongside the uh, the other coaches and John and Jack, the goalkeeper coaches, I think they they create such a good environment up there, and they all sort of gel together. And it it, it just works. Everything just clicks up there, and it's. Uh, it works really well and you, it, it emulates in the games. Obviously we're going for a bit of a rough patch at the minute but it is what it is. It happens in football but you can't knock what he's done for the club. He's come in and he's brought back trophies. He's he brought back winning ways. You see it at Anfield even the like, I never went to games before I was a, a, a player at Liverpool just because we never really bought tickets. It wasn't something my family did. Just being from St. Ellen's, it would, like, no one really liked football. I was a massive football fan, but my family were all rugby and stuff. So I started going to the games when I had the opportunity to. And, like, before Klopp, like, yeah, the atmosphere is unreal. But, and once Klopp came and that, it started coming, you can see it with the fans. Like, the atmosphere just, it, it just take, takes it to another level. It, like, what he's done for the club, I, I just think it's unreal. And, like... Well, I think every Liverpool fan should be forever grateful for what he's done
0: for the club. In terms of the training sessions themselves, is he very much integral to, to those or is it more a case of maybe pep or, or whoever else taking charge as well? Is, is he the one driving it or does he sort of let other people do that?
1: I think it's more what happens is that a lot of the preparation for the session is he's heavily involved in for the preparations and stuff like that. Uh, but I think you've got to understand the role of a manager. So you have your head coaches and your your your, second man, your assistant managers and stuff. They they will take the session and they will lead the session. And you will have the manager walking around, much like you see when the other team's warming up at a game. He'll be watching the other team warming up because he needs to see what's going on. So for him to take the session and see what's going on, it's it's difficult. So he will like watch what's going on and then like pick little bits up and stop it and step in and just adjust little things the way he wants it. But I think most of the preparation for the session is done before before they get on the grass and then you've got Pep and uh, the other coaches that take the defensive and attacking side of it and then they, he steps in and obviously puts his mastermind to work and <laughs> gets the lads playing how uh, they've been playing the past few years.
0: Yeah, definitely. We've mentioned it a couple of times then. Let's talk about Tramney. You came on, Paul Glatzel gets injured and there's nobody else to to come on and it's obviously yourself that, that comes on up front. That must've been a, a surreal moment for you. And, and one that you must look back on with, with a smile as well, because it, it, it's not an opportunity that you would have ever probably thought that you would get to come on outfield.
1: Well, I said in an interview when we were in America and I was, I think it was the only interview that I've done. I think that was the last interview I've done, I think, apart from this one now, but yeah. I, I said that, that was the initial dream. <laughs> that was my first dream of football. I was an outfielder. I was never a goalkeeper. No one dreams of being a goalkeeper. I've not, I've, I'm yet to meet one goalkeeper that has said, I always wanted to be a keeper. No one, did, no, I've not met one. And if there is one out there, contact me because I'd love to speak to you. <laughs> but uh, that was always the dream. Like you can see from my face when we come on. And I, even before that, I remember I've watched it back and the commentator Steve Hunter, uh, Steve Hunter, he, he says, like, he, he zooms in on the bench and me and Klopp are laughing. And he says, uh, Oh, Dan's asking, can he come on and play? And it was weird because that, that's basically what happened. Like, <laughs> Jurgen laughed, and uh, it was uh, Millie. Millie was sat behind us and went, Dan, can you play outfield? And I turned around and went, I'll play whatever you want. And the gaffer, were, like, me and him were laughing, and then uh, the gaffer looked over and just went. Can you actually play outfield? Where where would you be able to play? I said, honestly, anywhere. He said, uh, he said up front, midfield, defence. I said, just put me up front. I <laughs> said, so just stick me up somewhere. And we went, go and get a kit on. I thought we were joking until he said, go and get a kit on. Now, I've never sprinted like that in my life. I sprinted into the changing rooms and then we've got the kit man there. And like, obviously, piles down for a while. It was horrible what happened to him. I'm gutted for him, but it did lead to one of the best moments of my life so far. I'm not going to hide my my excitement for it. But I, and I'm stood there in the changing rooms, and I'm, I'm saying to the kit man, "I need a kit. I need a kit." He's like, "Did you not take it out?" I was like, "No, I need an outfielder kit." He was like, "All oh, right," and he ended up giving me Anderson a kit, uh, lad. He's he's still at the club. I think he's gone on loan, but he's flicking through the kits to get me this. Uh, to get me the shirt, and he's like looking for the shirt. But he's that is the pace he's looking for the shirt. And I'm round and I'm, I'm I'm I don't want to be rude, obviously. I'm not, I've not been with the first team for long. I'm like, can we just just give us one? Just any kit will do, any kit will do. And like, I finally got the kit and I'm just thrown it on. I didn't actually have any shin pads, so my first, my first ever game for Liverpool, I had uh inner souls rolled in half and taped around my shins <laughs> <laughs> and uh i think that there's no real way to describe it you just have to look at my face when i'm running on the pitch there's, there's pictures all over my instagram and all of my twitter and everything from it you just have to see the, the smile on my face when i run on the pitch that's that was the feeling like i, I, I was running on to play up front with diva carigi yeah Right. Like, yeah it, 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 it still makes me laugh now like when I see it back because obviously like I'm going on I'm, I'm in a, I'm in the US now with a, a different team of lads I've never met and they ask about what's happened about want to see videos and stuff and still when I see it like you, you see me running on smiling and laughing and then like that I just start bossing everyone around and I'm like you're going over there you're going over there I'm like Bobby you're on the left D-Vop, you're on the right I'm up top in the middle on me own and uh, I think it just it just it was just such a surreal experience. Then, even after the game, like Jurgen saying, I remember like the interviews and everything. Like Jurgen was saying, he's never seen a and cramp again. He's never seen a goalkeeper perform like that field and stuff like that. Like I've got all of these, all of these videos saved on my phone, and uh, I still remember the uh, at full time when they were talking about it. The presenter, I forgot the presenter's name, but then uh, Jason McAteer. Uh, the presenter says it's a man of, a, man of the match performance from that, and Jason goes, "Well, I wouldn't say it was a man of the match performance." <laughs> he, he starts picking my performance apart, and I'm thinking, "Come on, I've just, I've just ran on and just messed about." To be honest, I was just having a laugh, but uh, it was such a surreal experience, and I, one I will cherish for the rest of my life. It is one of the best moments of my life so far.
0: Yeah, I, I remember it well. I was there myself, actually, in the the crowd watching. I remember thinking. Is, is that him? Is that him? Like, I, Obviously, I didn't. I wasn't aware of, of how many subs were left and, and things like that at the time. I was just thinking, no, it, it's not, is it? But then, obviously, it was yourself and obviously, it leads to an amazing moment.
1: Me. Yeah, really. No, it was me for me until five, ten minutes I was on. It was only off until like 20 minutes and like ten minutes of it, like she was adamant that it wasn't me. I don't know if he's coming on. My dad's like, he's on he's on, where is he? He's got a Rojo on. <laughs> uh, I don't know if uh, anyone's ever seen any pictures of Anderson a and rollo but we are completely different. We don't look similar yeah. at all.
0: So, <laughs> certainly not twins, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah let, let's move on a, a little bit. I, I want to, to pick your, your brains on a couple of, of different players. I think we should probably start with Alison Becker, who I assume you must have trained with a few times and, and got to know a little bit. I think, you went on the US tour partly because he was still away, I think, at the Copper America that summer, and you must have trained yeah. with him. You must, you must know how how good he is. I mean, he's he's an unbelievable goalkeeper, isn't he?
1: Yeah. So I've had I've had I've had a lot of experience with Allison. Not I've had more experience with the other goalkeepers because basically my role was either if Alisson was injured or when Simon was here, like if Sy si was injured, then I'd step up and train. So. It was always when he was on international duty i'd step in and fill in so like it it, i did train with allison quite a lot and just to watch him up close was like what struck me about him was how relaxed he is and how like when i'm playing i know i'm frantic and i'm all over the place and i'm all about being quick and speed and all over the place he was just so laid back but he was was he was still quicker than me he was just so laid back and slow and he looked like he was just chilling in these movements and stuff like that but the speed that he was still working at was phenomenal and some of the saves that he'd make it was just like he'd have no emotion when he made them i'd make a worldly save and i'd get up smiling buzzing thinking i've just made a saving from a club i'm on i'm on fire get in here we go he would just pull one out the top in and then just get up and just like get up step and just chill but like uh all of the all of the goalkeepers, it, 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 it was a great environment to work in. Obviously, you had Alisson, we got Adrian, we had Sai as well before him. And uh, Andy Lonergan, I'm still in contact with and still still speaks to them now. And obviously, Kweeve and Keller have known Kweeve since he signed at Liverpool at 14s, 15 16s. I can't remember what age it was. And obviously, Camille Gabarda, who spent a lot of time alone, like all of the lads, including the academy lads. It, it, it was just a great group to work in. And uh, it obviously helped me a lot. There's things that I took from them and things that I learned. And like I still remember every session. Like I, I would always only train in shorts and top. That's the only thing. Like, th- this is weird for me if I've got one of these on. Whatever the weather, raining, snowing, I would wear shorts, T-shirt and train. And I remember Alison and Adrian, every single session, it'd be like the middle of December, absolutely bouncing it down. And they'd walk out, they've got the snood on, the hat on, the the 27 layers of bubble coat pants, underwarmer pants, shorts, two pairs of socks and the boots, and they just waddle out like that. And I just walk out with my shorts and top, and they just look at me and go, you're just crazy, why? And they just give me a lecture. They say it's not safe and everything, but it's just how I – I just train shorts and top. I just said to them all the time, I said, well, I don't play in anything else. I play in shorts and top, so why why would I train in anything different? but then obviously Adrian does still train in his underarm pants. But uh, to be fair to him though, like I understood why he did because I spent two months in Spain. I went to Spain October to December and I thought it was going to be cold because obviously it's December and packed tracksuits. but it turns out I was on the South of Spain. Like it, it, it was like a three hour drive to Africa. That's how like South yeah. it was. And it was so hot. And I came back to go on trial at a club in London and, uh, in the middle of December. So I went from like 28, 29 degree heat training at two o'clock in the afternoon every day on the Astro, so It feels even hotter. To then training at eight o'clock, like nine, 10 o'clock in the morning in the middle of London in the snow. And it was the first ever time I trained with anything more than shots and top on. I had my jacket, my coat, my pants, everything. And I was waddling out to training thinking I know exactly how Adrian feels now because this is where he's from Spain. is It was like, no wonder he's so cold. But uh, I just about climatized now. I've uh well I just about climatized before I left and then obviously I went to had to go to Mexico for two weeks before we came here because of, we had to fill some quarantine out before we could come to the US and then got it. Uh, it was raining today and I'm back to normal. Raining, shorts and t-shirt, get training. And uh I'm excited about it, I'm loving it.
0: The Blood Red Podcast
1: from the Liverpool Echo.
0: Just to finish off on the goalkeepers, I mean, how easy is it to learn from the likes of, of Alisson and, and Adrian and Sai and as well? I mean, do you just have to to watch them and you start to, to pick little things up? Is it that simple?
1: I think it depends on how you work. I think one of the big things for me, the way I work, is that that's how I work. I need to have something there. Right, he's better than me at that, so I'm going to get better than him at that. Like, I'm driven by that. I'm driven by things I can't do. That's why, like, you see, like, if you speak to anyone about me, I'm a bit strange because I can do, I can ride unicycles, I can balance stuff on my head, I can do Rubik's cubes just because I couldn't do them and it wound me up. So, like, if I was training with, so my left foot has gotten a lot better just because of Viet Yaros. So Vitaslav Yaros is very good with his right and left foot. Now, that really wound me up. So I'd work on my left foot and work on my left foot and work on my left foot until it was good. And that's how I've always worked. And then obviously, like, Veep uh, v was, uh, I think he was injured. And then I was, we were working with Ben Winterbottom and was working with Jakub Orzinski and different keepers. And there. uh, uh when you stepped up to the first team, that was when you seen the difference and you seen like different people and you seen Alison doing things differently. I think one thing that I have learned and drilled into me from Alison and Adrian is the, the spin that you see them do. So when they died, they do a little spin. Now, that 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 was never anything I got taught, but now that they've come in and and like you see Spanish goalkeepers and Brazilian goalkeepers doing it, it is a lot quicker. And that's something that I've taken and learned from them. But... I think if you speak to any goalkeeper or goalkeeper coach or anything like that, goalkeeping is is one of them positions where it's it's whatever works. You've got a job. You keep the ball out the net and you keep possession. You sweep up. There's no obviously there are better ways of doing things or more convenient ways of doing things and faster way of doing things. But there's no real wrong answer as long as you keep the ball out the net. And I think The main bit for me, especially with like doing going over to Spain as well and then learning from different goalkeepers like Alison and Adrian and Si, different backgrounds and Andy Lonergan obviously is an English goalkeeper all the way through, like different backgrounds. It's keeping your own game but adding to it. So you're taking little bits, you're like, I like that, that works for me and that makes sense, I'll take that. And then you see him do something else. So I like the way he throws it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that and put that into my game. And you sort of, you, you build this arsenal of different things that you have in your locker. And uh, it, it's something that you don't just learn from one person. Like you, you could, you could get keepers that come in and go, Alison Becker, is one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Right? I'm going to learn exactly how he does it. For me, that, that, that doesn't really make sense because I think. As you know, everyone's different. Physically, everyone's different. Mentally, everyone's different. I I know I couldn't stay as calm as Alison does for 90 minutes. I can't stay that calm. I've got to be shouting at people. I've got to be telling people what to do to stay switched on. So straight away, there's, there's a difference. And I think it's about picking parts of people's games that is best for you and making you the best goalkeeper that you can be, not trying to be someone else. So you have a lot. I think that's something that... In my opinion, that a lot of academies that from talking to different coaches and doing my badges and stuff, I think that's something that is a problem in coaching these days. I think what you you get you get clubs looking at professional footballers and the best players, and then that's what they want then. So you see Buffon. Buffon's been an unreal keeper for so many years. So you see academies using Buffon as a checklist. So you'll have it all written down, and then the checking off as he got this, as he got that, as he got this, as he got that. Well, nobody's just kept twenty clean sheets this season. So what's the issue? Like, I think it's too. People have got to stop looking at, is he going to be the next Allison? Well, you don't, you don't want the next Allison. You want someone that's going to be better than Allison, and that's how the football is going to work. Obviously, it's going to be very hard to be better than Allison, but I think that's the way you've got to coach, and that's the way you've got to because like, I like the coaching side of it as well, and I think you've got to understand it as a player as well, that I'm not going to be Alisson. I'm not. Never going to be Alisson. I'm not saying I'd never be as good or never be as effective. You, you don't know that. You don't know what the future holds. But um, And I'm definitely not saying that I'm anywhere near his level now, by the way, because he is unbelievable. <laughs> but uh, you've got to understand that you, you you shouldn't be striving to be someone else shouldn't be striving to be the next Messi. You should be striving. If you want to be that level, you should be looking at Messi and then looking at all the top players in the world. You should be looking at Messi and Ronaldo. What are their best qualities? And putting them into one and making yourself into the best player that you can be, not being someone else. And that's the way I look at it and that's the way I train and the way I want to work with myself and the way I want to work with the goalkeepers that I coach. And I, I think that's really important.
0: Yeah, excellent advice, mate. I'm not going to keep you too much longer, but what I will do to finish is just throw a few of the other sort of younger lads and the people that you will have worked with, throw a few names over to you and just to get a, a couple of sentences really on each of them about, you know, what they're like to, to work with and, and their sort of future and, and how highly you rate them. We've sort of mentioned Paul Glatzel already, but I'll uh, I'll start with him. Just, uh, you know, yeah, Paul Glatzel, what's he like and, and what do you think that the future Powell
1: Paul is... One very, very bright kid. He's a very, very smart lad and he's a very, very hard worker. Uh, I think something that Powell's done well uh, has come off the back of something that is is horrible. He's had a bad injury spells. He's had a bad few injury spells, but what he has done, he's gone away and he's worked very hard physically and he's come back. You can see it in him when he plays. He's he's a lot stronger physically. He's a lot quicker. He's 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 a physically stronger lad. Uh, shooting-wise, he's a top finisher. He's he's just a top lad. He's a a very good lad. Uh, I really like Paul.
0: Let's do the next two as a a couple. I know it's probably unfair to to sort of put them in the same bracket, but I think there's a few similarities between Jake Kane and Leighton Clarkson, two obviously playing in the same position, similar sort of age. Sorry, Matt, go on.
1: uh, You've got the left foot and you've got the right foot. (laughs) What more could you want? You've got the two in midfield that run the game they get on the ball, fine passes and they're just steady players. They're just top, top footballers, top lads as well. They're great, great young kids as well. Like, they, they, you can have a laugh with them, you can have a joke with them they, and like the passing ability from even before they broke into the first team, like, they, 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 they'll they go a long way just with their ability and stuff like that. Obviously, I think the, 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 the older they get and the more stronger physically that they get, it's going to help them out a lot. But they're, they're they're very, very good. Reese Williams. Reese is uh he's, he's one of them stories that's always gonna stick around, isn't it? It's one one minute he's at Kidderminster, next minute he's starting in the Champions League. Like he's he's the, he's definitely one of the jokers of the group. He's definitely one of the uh the pranksters. He he likes to mess around and have a laugh, but obviously within reason he's uh he he he's someone I got on with very well, obviously, because I'm a bit of a the joking as well, like uh, they like a mess about and uh someone I got on with very well at the academy and it's just what he's achieved so far. Coming especially the position he's in, it's it's similar to being a goalkeeper. You, you don't see many young centre halves, you don't see many young goalkeepers. It's all about experience. So what he's done so far is fantastic, and it can only put him in good stead for the future.
0: And another young centre back, Sepp Vandenberg, obviously out on loan this season in the Championship, where he seems to be doing really well. How highly do you rate him?
1: I think he yeah he's a he's a good centre half he's a he's a quiet lad keeps himself to himself but most of the I think you find that a lot with some Dutch players the uh, him and Kijana when they were together it was like their little clip, they just uh, keep themselves to themselves quiet lads but obviously technically very good footballers it uh, was a bit scared to head it when he first come over that was quite frustrating but I think he's getting that into his game now with the loan spells and stuff like that yeah. and uh, that was always going to happen but. I think the English side of the game. The more the more he learns the English side of the game. Let's call it the English side of the game. That's it, heading it and kicking it. The more he gets that into his game, the, the, the better he'll be in there. Uh, from what I heard, he was doing really well once I left. And obviously, I don't know what he was doing alone. I don't really, I don't really keep in touch with set, but he's quite quiet lad, nice lad, good footballer, obviously, or he wouldn't be there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, if anywhere can uh, get that heading and and that sort of physical side of it into him, it's probably the championship and, and probably Preston. There, just to, to finish, then three other ones, slightly more sort of senior players, I suppose you you might say: Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones, and Nico Williams. All three of those will do as uh, as one little group.
1: I'll do them short and separate. Curtis, Curtis, and Nico. I've known them for a long time. I think Curtis has been steady all the way through. He's been the same personality, same loud joking. Always been a good player, good with his feet. Another joke, and him and Reese were quite good mates. And then uh, moving on to Nico. Nico, I think he has been one person that has changed the most since I started. Obviously, I signed it under 12s. He was there, he was under 11s. I don't think I heard him say a word for the first six years I was at Liverpool. It was only when we ended up in scholarship that he started to talk and opened up a bit. And, and like the development football wise that he went through from being under 17 to where he is now is unbelievable. And if he keeps up that pace, it's going to be top. Harvey. I love Harvey. I love Harvey. He's a top, top lad. I, I, I felt really sorry for him when he first came because obviously there was a lot of things in the media where he was messing about and the different things that came out in the media of him messing about and I felt really sorry for him because half of this stuff was when he was fifteen. If I think back to what I was doing when I was fifteen, I nearly got released about five times messing about like some of the stuff i I did was it was it was stupid and it was if if I was in Harvey's position, I'd have gone. On every newspaper in the in the country, and I am very lucky that I stayed there. And I felt really sorry for him because he was just a young kid that got put in the limelight for for stupid reasons. He never did anything wrong, but he had to write letters of apology and everything. But Harvey's top, and what he's doing at Blackburn, I've been I've been watching. He's been, obviously he's just been nominated for Young Player of the Year. He's he's doing great. I'm glad he's got rid of the bun and he's just got along with the air now. So. uh I haven't spoke to Harvey for a while, so I should probably catch up with him as well, to be fair, but another top lad, like I said, not one lad I could knock.
0: That yeah, absolutely, yeah. A, a top lad, and yeah, maybe the, the haircut is, is changing, which is probably not a bad thing either. <laughs> Danny, thank you so much for, for your insight and your time. I, I don't want to keep you any but, longer, but that's been absolutely brilliant, mate. I, I could speak to you for, for hours about this stuff.
1: Yeah, no problem. I enjoyed it. Thanks for that, mate. Thank you for that.